Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 235 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast of my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Today, we're doing something a little different. You see, today's show demanded a measure of immediacy to make it happen. And what that measure produced was my guest and I seeing the film together, which is something of a rarity for this podcast, and then talking about it as soon as we got out, also a rarity for this space. Adding to the rare feel of the episode is the fact that we record out in the city in an effort to strike while the iron was hot. We sat down at a bar across the street from our cinema and closed it while talking about the movie we just saw. Now, I can't say it's a format I want to use too often, but it certainly does make for a lively conversation. If you've ever listened to the audio postcards I send from TIFF, um, this will sound a lot like that. Um, Of course, staying on one topic instead of skipping around what we've been doing for a week. My guest is someone I hold near and dear. I don't get to hang out with her near as often as I want to, but when I do, the conversation flows and it's always deeply engaging and helps me be a better person. She's a clever woman, a dear friend, and she did a lot to make this episode happen the way it did, and for that she has my thanks. She's a writer on Wiley Writes and a frequent guest on the Screenfish podcast. She is the one and only Jolie Featherstone. Today, Jolie and I are going to skip past Know Your Enemy and get straight to the new slang, which is Marriage Story. Marriage Story is slated to arrive on Netflix in two weeks on December 6th, but none of what we talk about today is anything that would spoil the experience for you. It's not that sort of movie, the, the sort of movie that relies on a mystery or a twist. It's very synopsis, gives you a pretty good idea of what you're in for top to bottom. So if you are worried about sitting down blind, I think you can still listen in on what Jolie and I talk about and take the full force of this film when and if you decide to watch it. Of course, if you'd rather just put a pin in this episode and come on back in two weeks, it, it should age just fine. But enough foreplay, let's get to it. I will admit that the noise of the bar gets a little loud around us at times, but I don't think it ever becomes too distracting. So your patience is appreciated, and come with me now to a dark November Friday night on King Street in downtown Toronto for drinks, Jolie, and Marriage Story. Someone to force you to care Someone to make you come through Will always be there as frightened as you of being alive, being alive, being alive, being alive. Happy Friday, Jolie. Happy Friday, Ryan. Let's raise a glass here. Cheers. So we're recording on the scene and plans coming together, right? So we are going to talk about marriage, a marriage story, a marriage story, the marriage story. I think it's just marriage story. Marriage story. There's not even a definite article. <laughs> exactly. like it. um, it's written and directed by Noah Baumbach. It stars Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson, Laura Dern, Adam Alda, Merritt Weaver, Ray Liotta, and a young actor named Aji Robertson. Um, it's the story of Nicole and Charlie. Um, that's, um, that's Johansson and Driver um, as their marriage is coming apart and they're going through the process of divorce and there are ups and downs in the plot but really and truly it's just about watching a marriage come unglued um you know as, as i mentioned in the introduction to this show we're playing it a little bit more fast and loose today so ordinarily these 
conversations and these reviews would start with an in-depth question that I usually frame as pop quiz hotshot. And this is the second episode in a row where we're watching a Netflix movie, a Netflix production, um, in a theater. Uh, you and I just came from the light box across the street and um, watched a movie that everybody else is likely going to be watching on their couch in the darkness of a rather large cinema, a rather full cinema too, yes. um, and, and paid for the privilege. Um, <laughs> why did we do this? What did we just experience that people at home may not experience with this movie? I mean, first off, I think that seeing a film on the big screen in a cinema is a unique experience in and of itself. And with Marriage Story, I would say predominantly it's the audience reaction. It's the energy of the audience. It's not um, necessarily a film that you would typically maybe see on the big screen or in a cinema based on the sound or the cinematography per se. In fact, I felt like the film was a lot like a play. Yes, very and Yet, I still, I'm still so happy that I saw it in a cinema, just to feel the energy of the crowd. Mm -hmm. You could, you could feel when people were kind of holding their breath, or I think both of us at one point had our hands to our face, yeah. and just being able to take that in and see people's reaction to the ups and downs of Nicole and Charlie's story. The thing for me is that this is a moment that. I think everybody will experience this moment in their lives. If it's not their own relationship, mm -hmm. it's their parents or it's their siblings or it's their children. You know, we're, where we are in the new century, it's just a commonality, you know? Um, everybody's going to be affected by a marriage that comes apart. Yeah. And the interesting thing about Charlie and Nicole's marriage is it's amicable. Mm -hmm. Like when they first, go their separate ways they're still friendly they're trying to do it without lawyers yeah um it's it's relatively reasonable and yet it's so fraught mm -hmm. and i feel like in a theater you have to stay with it um yes. at home um there are many other movies like this a lot of other people go watch at home mm -hmm. but at home you can peel away when it gets too much. You can step out of the room True. when the mommy and daddy are arguing. <laughs> you know, um, in a theater, you're you're there. Yes. You know, you you are there for you're some. With them. There are a lot of funny moments in this movie, but it forces you to stay there when it's not funny. Yes, and I feel like for a story like this, that's what's most important is you have to be in it. You have to see yourself or your children or your parents or your siblings in it and you won't at home You'll, yeah. you might see glimmers mm -hmm. but you're not going to see it the same way as you will when you're stuck in the dark i completely agree i mean unless you are at home and watching it and truly truly dedicated to staying focused and not allowing yourself to pause or get up or what have you um which some you, people do, but it's a yeah, rarity. You it know? is a rarity. It is a rarity. And, there, and again, there is something to be said. You know, you're in a theater experiencing this with a whole bunch of people. And as you said, uh, you know, divorce or, you know, the unraveling of a relationship, that's going to resonate with everyone. Yeah. So everyone is going through this ride together and everyone's sort of bringing their own kind of 
experience to it as well. And that's kind of the beauty of seeing that film in the theater. Yeah. Um, I didn't actually ask you, but I take it you enjoyed this movie. I did. Okay. I absolutely did. Yes. What you, would you think about it? I mean, with Noah Baumbach, he always brings, I think, a very intimate or almost unflinching lens, almost an unflinching eye to every film of his that I've seen, at least. Um, he allows you to be almost an additional person in the room or a fly on the wall in circumstances that can sometimes be very uncomfortable. Yeah. The squid and the whale, I watched it when I was probably way too young to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it scarred me or not, there's no whales in this, there's no squids. <laughs> oh, Bombach, alive. I was so excited to watch it, and honestly, it, it, it never left me. That movie really stuck with me. Also, you see the unraveling of a marriage in that film as well. Both films are, you know, somewhat semi-autobiographical, somewhat influenced by his own personal life. And that's what really struck me was Squid and the Whale, and it's always stuck with me every time I did make a point to watch one of his films. He just offers you this unflinching look at something. Sometimes it's the pretty moments, sometimes it's the ugly moments, but you're there with it. And to me, that ends uh, or lends a real feeling of humanity. Like you feel this is real. You almost feel like you know these people. You truly feel like this is your friend or family member, as you said. His, his film, he allows us to see a very personal part of himself, mm -hmm. which I think gives people permission to explore their own, perhaps, experiences that are similar that they maybe didn't get permission or allow themselves permission to discover. Yeah. This is, I, I came in primed to enjoy this movie. I, I heard good things yeah. and I had a hunch. Um, I've enjoyed everything I've seen from Bombach on various levels so mm -hmm. far, um, from Like to Love. Um, he's he, he's doing similar things but they're different enough that I don't feel yes. like he's telling the same story over and over and over um, and I was uh, really quite taken with this movie it's it's not a sloth like mm -hmm. the fear when you tell people it's about a marriage coming apart mm -hmm. is that it's gonna be grueling it's gonna be so hard to watch yeah. you're gonna wanna leave you're gonna want to step out of the room. You're gonna, like I said, you know, while mommy and daddy are fighting, yeah. you're gonna to want to go to your room and play with your toys. And this movie, while let us be clear, this movie goes there. Mm -hmm. um, there is some of the most intense arguing you will ever see on a screen mm -hmm. within this within the runtime of this film. It's also joyous. Mm -hmm. It's also um, wonderfully frustrating. Yes. Um, it's polite. Mm -hmm. uh, we were talking on the way over here of um, there's a moment in the courtroom where one of the paralegals sneezes yes. and Adam Driver says bless you. Yeah. Um, you know, which you don't usually see that kind of thing in the theater. It's a, in a movie. Yeah. It's right up there with like trying to park the car and eating a meal. <laughs> exactly. Um, there, it's, it's not a short movie. It's like two hours and 15 minutes. Yep. And yet, it, it's brisk, right? Yeah. It's it starts with this marriage already done. Yeah. Like from the at the time we arrive, the marriage is already over. So we're going through the steps of the divorce proceeding, which seems to take about a year. It, it's because we, we see two Halloweens. That's true. So yes. it's so it's it's about a little, a year. it's a yeah. little bit more than a year in real time, and it moves. Yeah. Um, it's it's just got so much life in it. Um, it's got a lot of love from a lot of people, including 
the husband and wife that are coming apart. And I think that's the important message of this movie is, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of marriages out there that when they come apart, it is very bad. Yes. Um, but there are a lot of marriages out there that when they come apart, it's like they don't really want to, right? And, and it's like um, Nicole says in this movie, I know I'm always going to love him in some sort of way. Yes. Um, and that's what this movie really wants to posit out there in the world is even through such pain and such anger, there is still so much love. Absolutely. And I think that there is something to be said for the fact that, you know, as she mentioned, she'll always love him in some way. And I think that's quite frequently the case. I think that you um, see in reality, it doesn't always get represented in film, you know, couples who, you know, realize that, you know, the relationship is maybe no longer in a healthy place or it's no longer working. You can still love and miss someone but also realize that that's maybe not the healthiest thing for you both anymore. Mm -hmm. And this film explores that. It doesn't treat them in ways that are vitriolic. It doesn't treat them in ways that are caricature. Um, I think Bonebeck really at least try to present a compassionate view of these two people and present them as humans. You know, they're humans. They're going through a difficult time. They love each other, but, you know, the relationship is kind of come unraveled for reasons that they explore in the film. I won't give any spoilers I, away. Listen, I, I really <laughs> want to say that this marriage came unraveled because of life. <laughs> really and truly. Like, it's, it's just, it's two people who have been together for somewhere between eight and ten years now and while when our parents were our age that wasn't a very long time mm -hmm. it's now a very very long time mm -hmm. in the way that the modern world works so they they come apart just because they come apart yes you know um there is talk of um disagreement and there is talk of infidelity but you never really get the feeling that that's why mm -hmm. this marriage has come apart it's the reason why it's explained and yes. Lord do the lawyers try mm -hmm. to hang this marriage coming apart on disagreements mm -hmm. um, but it's just like you just get the feeling that they both knew it was time yeah you know um, there was pent there's pent up feelings that weren't being worked through, weren't being processed, weren't being addressed. And as you said, they they sort of grew in different ways while also perhaps not having a way to process those feelings. And like you said, they grew apart, even if they did process those feelings, you get the sense they still would be at this point anyways. Yeah. They'd still maybe be moving apart. Maybe it wouldn't have unfolded was, in the way that it did. Yeah, but. like the big point of contention in this movie mm -hmm. is about moving to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. They're a New York couple, but um, Nicole is from Los Angeles and she always wanted to go home. And you get the sense that even if she had gone home, that these problems would have, or other problems would have lingered there. That it was more, you know, yes. and, it, and it usually is more. Yes, um, oh, absolutely. Nicole is an interesting character. Scarlett Johansson, I mean, both of these actors are acting their ass off yes. in this movie. <laughs> it truly is a study in acting. Yeah. Johansson has to do an awful lot in this movie. There is, um, early on, she has to give a very, very long monologue in one take. Yes. Where she has to explain why they are where they are. Um, she nails it. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. I couldn't take my eyes off her, off the screen. It, yeah. It, she goes away into the bathroom. You don't actually see her in the frame for a few seconds. Yeah. And comes back and just 
the tension in her throat as she's talking. It, it was a masterclass in acting on both of their parts throughout this movie. Yeah. Also, the people um, surrounding them, the lawyers, Laura Turn, Alan Alda, incredible. Well, we'll get we'll get to them, but I mean, the thing is, I think I feel like we've been locked with Johansson in. Mm-hmm. Black Widow mode for for ten years or so. She, she's done a lot of amazing work over the course of her career. Yeah. Um, but it, this feels like a return. You mm-hmm. know, when she was coming up and doing the slightly more indie stuff, Girl like with Pearl Earring, Pearl Earring, or like yeah. you know, Ghost World when she was yeah. younger, um, Lost in Translation when she was younger. Yeah. You know, also about a marriage that's really really strange. Yes. Um, there's. There's a lot of what she learned and what she herself experienced mm-hmm. over the last 10 years within the scope of this part. Um, and she's always, like, no matter what she has to do from moment to moment, there's times where she has to be a little bit, like, unsure of herself and clumsy with her words. Yes. There's times where she is just ferociously angry. Um, and, and she always hits her spots just so amazingly well. Like, she just hits all those notes. Like, she is a consummate professional. You know what I mean? Like, she... You don't see the strings. You don't even see the effort. You don't see the sweat. And she's pulling off some very, very challenging scenes, physically and emotionally. So... Yeah, I, I truly was like glued to her when she was on the screen. I think where she gets it the most for me is there's a lot of times in this movie. Thank you. There's a lot of times in this movie where her lawyer is pushing her into a certain position mm-hmm. legally, saying, "This is what we want. Mm-hmm. This is what you want," mm-hmm. and she has to hold that line. You can see in her body language and yes. in her eyes and the way she's holding her mouth yes. that she really doesn't want to hold that line mm-hmm. be it for what she herself wants or what she wants to put her child and her ex-husband through and yet she's hanging on yeah. and a lesser actor wouldn't hit those marks mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. somebody who's a seasoned pro like Johansson is is hitting these marks amazingly absolutely and like you said I think that um, you know, perhaps a, a less experienced actor may not have been able to hit them. I think even an, they would be able to perhaps hit them, but you would see those strings. You yeah. would see the tension with her. It, you don't see the sweat there. She yeah. <laughs> She's not moving a muscle, and you feel that. There's also, a gravity to it. I also think a less trusting movie mm. would have underplayed it with music or sound yes. or something, right? It would have yes. given her, or any actor, not just her, a crutch in that moment to really drive home, hey folks, this is hard for yes. Nicole. Um, on the other side of the aisle, um, we have Charlie, yeah. uh, who I don't know about you, I thought he was given a showier part in this movie. If this movie has a failing, it's that it misses the balance. Mm-hmm. Um, at first watch like when hey we're going to be able to watch it for free in two weeks so on rewatch I maybe not see that quite as much but on first blush it felt like Charlie's given more time yes actually that was something I was to be quite frank a little bit worried about before seeing this film I was quite worried about how they would handle the balance and the perspectives of these two individuals I mean it's close directed it yeah you know he's, he's telling his story um, but throughout all the festival hype, what's constantly been said is that, oh, equal weight is given to both of the individuals. And I was kind of like, mm, I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah. Uh, 
I do feel, again, consciously or unconsciously, again, this is someone telling their own story, um, that Charlie is given a bit more of a sympathetic role at times. But yeah. I, but I, in the sense that, well, you know, the like, I do feel that there was a lot of um, sympathy given to him and a lot of asking the audience to have sympathy for him. I do feel, though, that... Bombach really did try to give um, weight and balance to Nicole's story as well. Yeah. And I don't think he failed. No. I just do feel that there was more of a sympathetic kind of puppy dog angle to Charlie. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if we're, if we're watching a fight, which we are, Charlie is the only one of the two who's ever on his on his heels yeah. you know um, almost at every turn Nicole is at an advantage whether it's the fact that she gets the better lawyer or the fact that she's the one who served him with papers yeah. or she's the one to ask for more and move the kid to LA mm -hmm. there's all kinds of moments where she is leading on points yeah. and Charlie never seems to get that until kind of a last minute ditch move mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, that's the flaw yeah. in this movie is at first blush. Now, we're not sitting there with stopwatches. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at first blush, it seems like he's the one who's always kind of on, you know, in the weaker position. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, um, it does great things for Adam Driver and what he has to do in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he does just amazing things with what he's handed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that we're absolutely in the last two years, we're really seeing um, Adam Driver uh, really show us his capabilities, show us his range, show us his capacity. Um, I mean, initially, my first uh, encounter, I guess, with him was watching Girls, which is, I think, most people's introduction yeah. to him. And he did a fantastic job playing that character. I hated he, him. Oh, I got through an episode and a half, and I was out. He's incredibly unlikable. Oh yeah, he's he's slimy. He's he's complicated. He he's a very untrustworthy character. He's well, what I thought character. I didn't realize but that was an act. Not. I thought that was him. So I was like, I was like, well, oh, here's another like. <laughs> Harmony Korean like douchebag. No thanks, I'm good. See, I didn't realize he was. So now he shows up in a movie, and I'm interested. It. Yes, absolutely. I when I first saw him in Girls, I thought, wow, mm. I'm paying attention to him because yeah. this is incredible. I actually very very briefly met him at TIFF oh. at the premiere of the F Word, and he so kindly took a selfie with me. Yeah. Is <laughs> he as tall as he seems? He is extremely tall, <laughs> and I'm a tall person. He is extremely tall. Um, um, but back to. <laughs> He, I mean, in this movie, he is, he's got it all in his face. Mm -hmm. um, he's got it all in his posture. Yeah. You can see how little he wants to be going through this, but the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, he's the one being served and he's the one who doesn't want to go with lawyers. He wanted to figure it out with themselves. Mm -hmm. um, he's grappling with the fact that this move to the other coast of the country is really disrupting his career and yet at the same time he doesn't want to use that as an excuse um he's kind of an example for a modern man you know there, there's a long soliloquy in this movie about what men have been historically right down right back to god 
Yeah. You know, and it's a great piece of writing. It's actually kind of interesting that that soliloquy is written by a man. Mm-hmm. You got it. Like you, we, you know, we, if we're gonna give take props, take points away from Bombach for writing the man in a more sympathetic role, we have to give him points for that monologue. I mean, I think the monologue is a little bit necessary. It's a little essential, um, but obviously delivered fantastically by Nora. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing, though, is that Nora is quite frequently portrayed as being a very, um, I don't want to say an unlikable character. She's certainly, she's endlessly watchable, but you're almost led to believe, oh, you know, she's very competitive. She's ambitious, perhaps to a fault. She is leading Nicole down a path that Nicole perhaps never wanted. She's pushy. She's this. So to have her deliver that monologue, although absolutely essential and necessary, I wonder giving that monologue to her, of course, the way it was written, only she could deliver that monologue. But giving it for her to say, I wonder how some audience members would take that, having already been set up to sort of dislike that character. Well, and like that's the thing is I don't really know. We're mm-hmm. talking about a character portrayed by Laura Dern mm-hmm. who over the last several years has reminded everybody why she is as awesome as she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if you need an example, go watch Big Little Lies and just enjoy. That's Jolie and I's gift to you. Um, <laughs> Thank us later. <laughs> yeah. She's, I mean, it's, it's crazy because the term that I would most assigned to her to Nora's character is she's a ball breaker which I don't really like that term but that's what somebody would most likely call her but at the same time what I think in my head is she's a pro she's a person who by her own admission she says I've been through this I know what you're going through and I can represent you better than anybody else can and she knows how to make her clients feel at home she knows how she knows every pressure point to hit on her opponent and she knows how to win if she was a guy we wouldn't say shit Mm -hmm. but she's a woman so we call her a ball breaker and so she gets to give this monologue saying what women have had to be what men get to get away with Mm -hmm. right back to god and it's incredible and she like like everybody else in this movie she nails every mark yeah um she yeah, she is the character that comes in and out of this movie that seems to just keep throwing wrenches into the machine of this amicable separation. But we need her to do that. And I, I mean, I personally loved her character. Oh, me too. She was Absolutely. Endlessly watchable. She was electric on screen. Um, and for me, absolutely, Laura Dern is such a fantastic actress. You can. She's a consummate, her character, rather, and Laura Dern herself, are consummate professionals. Um, And you're absolutely right. She is, uh, the character, Nora, is polished. She's slick. She knows what she's doing. She knows exactly the move she needs to make. And she makes them on behalf of her client. Ultimately, she's doing what she believes is the best possible thing for her client because perhaps she sees that Nicole is not going to make those moves for herself whether Nicole wants them or not we'll leave that up for today (laughs) but um, um, so watching her there's some flickers that Dern gives when she mentions you know that she's been through it there's a bit of a flicker there where you kind of do see that there is some pain or there's pain in her past when she gives that monologue I felt that there was that 
very kind of thin, nuanced layer of her own pain coming out as well. This isn't necessarily just a scripted thing that she says to all of her clients, though it may be. There is, there is an authenticity there. There is a pain there. I just wonder if, again, as you mentioned, um, if people are watching it and not necessarily staying dialed in, staying tuned in, those things might go a little over their head. Yeah. So, again, as you said, that's sort of the, the conflict of this movie is that there are so many wonderful, beautiful nuances that add so much depth. If you're watching at home, we just urge you to focus and, and just take it in because you might miss out on some of those things. Yeah, and, and it's it's what, it, like, I mean, a lot of those things that we're talking about are what makes this movie's nastier moments. And we promise you people, they're coming. For a while, it's going to seem like you're going to get away scot-free. But believe me, they're coming. Um, it's what makes those moments endurable. Um, so... We need we need to we need to address something here because we are coming into this movie even though we saw it together uh, in the theater and we're talking about it right afterwards which we don't normally do on this show we are coming into it from two very very different places you Miss Featherstone are to be wed next year uh, I however have been wed for ten years this year happy anniversary thank congratulations you. thank you. Um, <laughs> What is going through your head watching, by the by, without your fiancé anywhere in the area? Smart woman. He was watching the I'm Fire sure he was. movie. <laughs> what is going through your head watching something like this while thinking in your inside, you know, I'm getting, I'm going to be at the beginning of where these people were in just in less than a year. I mean, ultimately, for me, I personally love watching movies like this not you necessarily out of your mind I'm, but okay i'm an absolute masochist what can clearly I say? um not particular to divorce per se but i just love watching human stories sure i love watching the i, I would say like the sort of intimate personal struggles that people go through that you know most I would say blockbuster flicks don't necessarily address, or they address it in a very uh, patent way. So that's why I love films like this, and why I love Squid and the Whale, and why it's always stuck with me, is that you are seeing something that feels real. You know, life, relationships, people individually are messy. We're not just one thing, we're every individual is many, many things. And that's beautiful, it's also messy, it's complicated. Um, so, but like, but I'm, I'm saying, like, are you? Is this like, this isn't? A, I, I would hope this is a preview of coming attractions. <laughs> is this scary? Is this terrifying? Is this I sad? Did. I didn't find it scary myself. Uh, I guess I'm able to compartmentalize it enough. But um, for me, also in this, with this movie in particular, there, although there is, there are uncomfortable scenes. There are. There are difficult scenes. There's love at the end of each scene. For example, I, I actually felt that there was really only, in my opinion, one scene that was really intense in terms of the, the sort of expression of anger that's just been anger and sadness and disappointment and loss that's been built up and it gets let out. And yet, even at the end, they embrace each other. Mm. He leans into her. She holds him. So, although it is sad, you know, 
their relationship in a formal sense, their their marriage formally ends, you get the sense that they do still, there is at least an empathy, there's a care, a love, whatever you want to call it between the two of them. So in a way, I actually feel like it's not, it's more hopeful than it is scary. You're so cute. You're so <laughs> optimistic. I just want to eat you up. It's more, um, more hopeful. I don't mean to and, belittle it. And I mean, I, I have just thought in my head what would be like really awesome as an addendum to this podcast is our partners having the conversations like yeah. amongst themselves. Um, I can't do that. We should We're, do a part two of this podcast with just them two. T- that's what I'm saying. After they yeah. watch the movie, that's, they gotta come. Back. That, that's what I'm saying. But uh, you know, maybe we'll see. Um, you know, so me uh, being married for ten years, being with one person now for seventeen years. Um, I spotted moments in this movie, and it's not just the fight. I mean, the fight is bad, and you go on a long enough timeline, you're going to have that fight. Um, where, it's, where it was more bubbling to the surface for me is in there's in those tenser moments where they're giving short answers or they're not talking. There's an incredible shot early in this movie where they're on a subway, and he's standing in the doorway and she's sitting on yeah. the bench, but it's on opposite sides. They're not even really looking at each other. No, there's such a tension there. Yeah, yeah, and it, it comes right after they both give their soliloquies of what they love about the other yes. still. Um, it's, it's, it's those kinds of moments where you see places you've been, you, ha- you relive arguments you've had, and you think to yourself, you know, shit. That I remember that person saying something like that, and I didn't listen then. Maybe I should have. Or, oh crap, that's something I said, and I didn't mean to say it. You know, or I should have said it differently at the yeah. time. Um, you hope you learn. You know, you hope you learn to try harder. You hope you listen to. You hope you try to listen more. You hope you hope for a lot of things. I think is what any couple who's been together for any length of time will come away from with this movie is they will see where they screwed up Mm -hmm. and hopefully they will learn um, how to not screw up as often. I mean, over time, if you've got your ducks in a row, you screw up less often, (laughs) right? You really learn what is a fight and what can just go. Mm -hmm. It's kind of of cute because it's what they talk about as cute things earlier on in this in this uh, film is they talk about things like you know he he always turns lights off yeah or, you know, like, like, that, like that she always has tea brewing it's annoying I can tell you if you kept kept on leaving cups of tea around the apartment it would get annoying but at the same time it's not a fight right um, it's it's that's what I think is going to be interesting about this movie as people see it is watching people in new relationships watch it watching yeah. people who have been together for a while that's going to be the interesting thing about this movie um, and we do think people should see it I don't know if people should see it on a date uh, I mean there have been movies like this before that I've seen by myself and I count myself lucky um, other times where I've seen movies like this I've gone home and I've been like are we okay I mean, if you're a masochist like me, why not? Go go, go take your date to see this. Sean is a lucky man. 
Um, but no, I, I think that it will absolutely, it will resonate with people, of course, differently, depending on their own circumstances, their own experiences. Um, and even though you mentioned, like, everyone is kind of affected by, you know, marriage, divorce, relationships, the ending of relationships. I mean, I think that I may have left it feeling, you know, what, it was very human. It was complicated. It was emotional. It was intense. It was ultimately hopeful. Yeah. Someone else might have watched it and been like, "Oh God, I never want to see that again." That was like way, I know people who are specifically going to avoid this movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, and power, I, listen, you know what? Power to them because yeah. let us be clear: this movie is it is tough mm -hmm. sometimes. There is a lot of joy and a lot of care and a lot of beauty yeah. in this film. But it also pulls, like, when it goes there, it goes there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think all of those reactions are valid. And one of the things that, how I mentioned I love watching movies like this, um, for me, it allows, for, in my mind, I think possibly why I love movies like this for myself, is that it allows, it gives me permission to explore things or look at experiences in my life that, maybe normally I wouldn't give myself permission to validate. For example, I might, there may be instances in my past where I'm like, oh, I, I really handled that poorly. But instead of feeling I handled that poorly, it's no, 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 I am a bad person or, you know, that's an inherent flaw in me. I think seeing movies like this and seeing humans work through things, um, it just gives you permission to say, hey, you know what? Someone else has been there. They are a good person, but they made a mistake. Yeah, they worked through it, and I think that's why movies like these, like this, resonate with people so deeply. The more you share your own personal story with people, um, the more you're actually being generous and giving people permission to explore and process their own experiences as well. Yeah. So that that was my takeaway from the movie. Um, but you're right; there's absolutely people who are gonna be like, no. Uh, yeah hard pass <laughs> and that's valid <laughs> um we're gonna get to the souvenir in a second um we don't have time or opportunity to do a full other side but off the top of your head what are some movies that you've thought about like having now seen this movie that people could go on to that would make an interesting double feature to like kind of compare and contrast um were there any that that kind of popped out for you it, that's a really good question i I actually, um, going into it, was not that I thought that they would be similar, I certainly didn't, and they weren't similar, uh, was Blue Valentine, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, that so that for, was the movie I came away from when I went home, and I was like, are we okay? That And that is an underrated film, yes. Oh, hit me like a ton of bricks. Yes. I could walk away from Marriage Story and be like, well, that was ultimately helpful. Yeah. I think I didn't speak for a good few hours after yeah. watching Blue Valentine. Yeah. Um, I watched it with my roommate and her friend. Her friend was absolutely horrified by the end and did, was like, okay, I'm going home now. Um, my roommate was like, wow, that was a really good movie. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go like cry myself to sleep yeah. now. Um, so Blue Valentine, I think, is kind of an easy comparison in the sense of like thematically, you're watching a marriage sort of crumble. You're watching two people going through a really difficult time working through the relationship. And I think in both, 
a lot of the sort of pain that's there is a pain of feeling unfulfilled or questioning decisions or what have you in the past. So I think thematically there is a similarity, but the tone is incredibly different. It's handled very differently. Yeah. Um, so that's one that I think would be a great companion piece, um, but I think not one, one, with the same tone. No, one for me, <laughs> which I think does this kind of theme, perhaps the best it ever can be, and it is heightened by what comes before, um, is Before Midnight. Mm. The culmination of the Before trilogy, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight. Mm -hmm. um, that film nails its mark in the fact that the second half of that film is one long argument where they are both right. Mm. You know, this film has to deal with the fact that it gives Charlie a, a you know, higher ground, mm -hmm. really, in the fact that he's always back on his heels. Mm -hmm. In Before Midnight, they both have a point. Mm -hmm. and, and that was the hardest thing I know for them to workshop and to write, was how do we put Celine and Jesse into a situation where they are both correct, yeah. both angry with each other, and you know can just be so angry, but we can't have the audience, especially hating one or especially hating the other. That was another movie that I know a lot of people saw without their partners. Interesting. Um, and that one for me is a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, it, it cheats a little because you have the history of what came into it. But as far as how it went from, like this movie, something so beautiful yeah. and so joyous and so wonderful in, in its start to so angry uh, and so contentious in its end. It's just like turning on a dime. It's like, how did we get here? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. Like that, that's a movie I think would be a good one. Yeah, that's um, a really good Did point. you have any others? I mean, there. I think there's a few, like, thematically, again, like, Kramer versus Kramer deals with similar themes. Again, I think this one's quite unique in its tone. Um, but I think both of the, the films that we've discussed would be good companion yeah. pieces. Yeah. I mean, the other one, like this movie, this movie very much has scenes from a marriage on its mind. Like, there's even an article yes. that you glimpse in it that the article that has scenes yeah. from a marriage. Scenes from a marriage does this over a much longer time. Like, I think scenes from a marriage is something stupid, like three hours yeah. or four hours even yeah. um, by um, by Bergman, and it's the same sort of low boil in that very Swedish way. Um, same sort of thing where the husband is put the relationship into the position it's in over its career. Um, and a film I do think a lot of people would avoid because it's Swedish, it's unpleasant, it's mm -hmm. low boil, but it is really good. Yeah. And, and this movie does crib a lot from it. Um, so those are some, and then, you know, yeah, there's all the usual suspects, husbands and wives, uh, War of the Roses, if you want to see something go a little bit nuts. Yeah. Any movie where a couple separates. Um, <laughs> sees this movie. Um, we end our reviews here on the matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. Jolie Featherstone. It is a no-brainer for me. Okay. It would be... The cat. <laughs> okay. Lawyer, um, Alan Alda's lawyer character has this deliciously fluffy, adorable cat. That is my souvenir. <laughs> that is pretty good. That is pretty good. Um, I would take away um, 
Nicole's Halloween costumes. She dresses up twice and both times. Her costumes are right in my wheelhouse. They are fantastic. Her just dance. Oh my god. Yeah, they they, they look. Or, sorry, let's dance. Her let's dance and Sergeant Pepper. I love them both. They're wonderful. They 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 she pulls them off perfectly. Um, you know I what? Charlie's Halloween costume was pretty amazing too. Yeah, he, they, they get into it. I love, I love her little aside. Oh, elaborate. Yeah, I mean, this is a family that gets into Halloween. I really yes. love that about them both. Um, we rate here on the Matinee Cast on a scale of one to four stars. What do you give Noah Bombach's Marriage Story on a scale of one to four? I would give it a solid, I would say three and a half out of four. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is a four star movie for me. This is one of the best movies of the year. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily one of the best of the decade, but it's certainly one of the best of the year. Mm-hmm. Everybody involved does exactly what they need to do. And... Uh, it hit me. I I was crying at a moment, and it wasn't the moment I thought I'd be crying. Um, that's you know usually one of those little tip offs for whether or not a movie got where it got. Um, and yet, it was never a slog. And mm-hmm. that I think is it's spinning plates. Yeah. You know. Um, hey, listen. Maybe you think that we're both nuts. Maybe you think this movie is terrible. <laughs> I mean, terrible. we probably are. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe you think that this movie is terrible. Maybe you think that we're overselling this movie. Um, maybe you couldn't make it through it. You just you didn't want to do it. Let us know, um, and uh, we'll we'll talk about that next time. But uh, Jolene, others, thank you so much thank you. for coming out to the movie with me. And and you haven't even touched your drink. I know. I and it's like up. last call here, man. You're gonna need to like knock that back. <laughs> I'll catch up. All right. <laughs> There we go, everyone. That's episode 235 of the Matinee Cast. I'm so happy that Jolie Featherstone was able to come by. Um, Come on back, everyone, on Monday, December 9th. I promise it'll be quieter. For episode 236, we're going to be talking about Knives Out. As mentioned, Jolie puts her work out on Wiley Wrights and is also a frequent guest on the Screenfish podcast. They're even going to do an episode on Marriage Story, just in case you haven't heard Jolie talk about that movie enough. Um, and we actually all caught the same screening together, so maybe you'll catch some of the same energy. Check the show notes for links to those spaces, and if you want to follow Ms. Featherstone on Twitter, she's at T.O. Film Files. My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Pocket Cast, Blueberry, Apple's podcasting platform. Everywhere you get podcasts, you can find it. If you can't find it, let me know, and I will put it where you're looking for it. Feedback on Marriage Story can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email ryan at thematinee.ca. Twitter, I am matinee underscore ca, and facebook.com slash darkmatinee. But for now, for Jolie, I'm Ryan, and we'll see you at the matinee. Matinee, you will find-